I have to say it. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. What, 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 what? How could you not predict at least 10 to 13 wins for next season is all I'm saying. But Jesus again, Christ, 13 wins. I listen. You, I, know, I said, you want an opportunity to play, and the Jets are giving me an opportunity to play. I just, I'm sorry. I just remember that you compared Kiseki to Kelsey. I'm sorry. I did not. You know what? About it, I am ready to get hurt again. And welcome, everyone, to Battered Fins Fans, episode number 13. In the words of Manny, which is not here today, he is not ready to get hurt again because the Dolphins are off to their best start since 2001. They are 8-3, and three and they're rolling. Chris, how you doing, sir? Well, let me tell you, that's an insane stat that I heard at the end of the game when they mentioned that. That is incredible. It really is something that without... Without actually hearing it, I would have never believed that. I would have what, never that believed they've that. been so bad for the last twenty years. I mean, yeah. In, in fewer words, of course, that's that, they've that had they've had up. their decent seasons here and there. They even won the division back in two thousand eight, I think it was. Yes. But yeah, eight and three. They, they it's a hot start, and uh, obviously Tua. The I think what the favorite for MVP as of right now is the biggest reason why. But before yeah. I keep going, let me introduce my co-host today. Uh, Manny can't be here, obviously, because he is on a vacation. So we had to find a replacement, and a replacement we did. Mr. Christian Duran, co-host of the Battered Herons podcast. In case anybody likes to watch soccer and they're a Miami Dolphin fan, you can tune in to the Battered Herons podcast also. How you doing, Chris? Well, I help out to talk about that other football. Uh, I don't have as long of a beard as Manny does, but hey, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to but fill But he's got the, the salt and pepper anyway, though. Yes, yes, it does. All right. Well, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you one thing. I actually was looking forward to doing this Dolphin podcast because, I mean, look, even though I was never a Dolphins fan, I've always been an observer and I've always tried to be as unbiased as possible when it comes to the Dolphins. You know, I've, I've, I've had some pain in my heart in terms of the Dolphins because. You watch the team every week, and so you see kind of the ebbs and flows of of this team. And I'm actually I'm actually happy that the Dolphins are doing very good at this time. So I mean, give a lot of kudos to them. I mean, some people think that they're the favorites to win the, to win it all. I mean, I know that that's few and far between because a lot of people have the Chiefs and the Bills ahead of them. But yeah. I mean, they're up there right now with the way they're playing. So let's get into it. Let's get into what I mean. Last week. When uh, we had this episode on, we had Will Manso on, and we were talking, and I think the three of us basically agreed that this was just about – it was a bye week is what it felt like. It was a bye week because the Texans were just so bad. I even tried to bring up the fact that it could possibly be a trap game because they have such a big game against the Niners the following week. But even that was dismissed by Banny and Will because they said there's absolutely no way that the Texans even keep this close. And, I mean, for the most part, they were right because it from start to – I don't want to say to finish because in the second half, things got a little weird, I would say. And we can get into that in a second. But, I mean, it was 30 to 0 at halftime. I mean, at that point, you're flipping over to the red zone channel, are you not, Chris? I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. Uh, any game, it's, it's, it's like what everybody says, any given Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody can be able to win a game. And, and for the last couple of weeks, I've actually seen a lot of dogs beat some favorites. So if there's any sport that can give you that any given Sunday vibe, it's going to be football, right? Uh, but let me tell you something. The Houston Texans, they're the worst team in the league. A by hot, far. steaming pile of garbage. Mm-hmm. 
right? <laughs> and so to me, when I saw this game in the matchup, I said to myself, it is a bye week, right? I mean, of course, th- there's a toss-up in any sport, mostly in football, but when we're talking about the Houston Texans, they were 1-8-1. and one. I mean, how much steaming pile of garbage can you get other than the Houston Texans, right? I mean, the, their quarterback, I, I, I don't even know what the guy's name is, Kyle Actually, Allen. Like, Kyle Allen was playing this week. Yeah, I mean, where, where, shot. where they pick him up from, like the, the Walmart, you know, grocery store picking up carts outside i i feel ultra bad for the texans they were just oh they were disgusting well, well jalen phillips was getting after kyle allen i'll tell you that i yes. mean the, the first half the defense was basically dominating they were getting the pressure on the quarterback that you've been waiting for all year basically yeah. right yes. i feel like bradley chubb is really freed up the other side for jalen phillips uh yeah. it's, it's, i feel like bradley chubb has brought what Emmanuel Agba was supposed to bring when he got that big contract, but yeah. you know he's injured. Bradley Chubb's there. He's he's producing, and I think, I mean, obviously the level of competition helps with that. But the defense finally like they was on this shit. Like it, I mean, they had a touchdown with Xavier Howard running back. I think it was that fumble. Then yes. um, Van Ginkle was it that got the pick? Yes, Van Ginkle got it. the pick, and he took it to that, the house. He didn't take it to the house. He 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 got oh, tired, that's like, right. He right got, inside yeah, the five yard line, but. Close. But it led right to another touchdown. So the defense was looking really good in the first half. Now, I have a couple things that I do want to bring up about the first half that weren't positives, right? Because that's just me. I like to play devil's advocate. One thing that I've been talking to Manny about all season long, and, you know, maybe I'm overblowing it, but but I think it is is it's worth talking about. They move up and down the field at will. Right, yes. Tua gets the ball down the field quickly. He finds Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill all over the place. I mean, teams are forced to play zone because they're so scared of playing man against these guys. So there's yeah. empty pockets everywhere. But it feels like when they get into the red zone, they have a really hard time converting. Like they were in the, in the first half, they made it to the red zone five times. They only got two touchdowns out of that. So I think that 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 might be something that's concerning. Obviously. Not completely. They still scored 30 points in the first half, right? Like, it's obviously not something that you should, like, be completely worried about. But I think it is, if you're trying to find negatives in the first half, I think that's one of them. And the other one is the Teron Armstead injury. Like, I think that is a huge blow. Because this makeshift offensive line that's been performing pretty decently, I would say, with him anchoring it, when you lose him, it's like, it's a house of cards. Once he goes, it feels. Yeah. It felt like as soon as he left the game, the offensive line just fell apart. Because well, the Texans it, were just getting after two after that. Well, and getting back to the to from the from the defensive perspective, you had five different players uh, collect sacks in the game. So uh, right off of those stats, you could tell that the defense was extremely active. They were they were pressuring very very well. Uh, obviously, more so in the first half than in the second half. Uh, which we'll get to, but I think in 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 regards to what you're mentioning, as far as how the team can be able to move constantly up and down the field, I think teams, especially offenses in football, that have those kind of um, you know like, like scat wide receiver backs, right? You got speedsters. your Tyreek Hill, yeah. You got your speedsters. You got your slot guys, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. They're not slot guys in the sense of their third stringers or anything like that. But they're slot guys in the sense of their speed pace for itself. So you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle who are speedsters up and down the field. So they'll they get stretch you. the field. 
Yeah, they'll stretch the field. They'll get you from one end to the other. But when you're talking about being in the red, in the red zone, there's two kinds of receivers that you really need, right? You're going to need a big receiver or a big Alvin tight Johnson. end. Yeah, you need you need. But they have Mike Kosecki. They just never but, use him. But now here's the thing: the only two threats that I see uh, offensively, as far as from from a big receiver standpoint, is Miles mm-hmm. Gaskin and I, I mean not Miles Gaskin, not Mike Kosecki and and Durham Smythe, right? Those are the only two people that I well, look they're, at. They're tight ends, right? <laughs> yeah, and I and I look at those guys and I think to myself. These are the guys that I want to target when I'm in the red zone or within five yards of their end zone. Because to get Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, they have to build speed. And to build speed within a 10-mile area, it's going to be tough for them. They don't have all that space in the middle of the field to be able to create. They don't have that much space to have separation from the cornerbacks. So that's where being in the red zone, having bigger receivers and bigger tight ends, I think pay off a fortune when it comes to that. Well, Durham Spike got in the end zone, right? Uh, that was that yes. that play where uh, Tua bought a lot of time. He ended up rolling to his left and hitting Durham Spike. Yes. Uh, I, I think that my- Gisecki, me, this is a constant topic for me and Manny. We're constantly saying that Gisecki should get more involved. Yeah. I think Gisecki should be more involved. And I understand that in Mike McDaniel's um, offense, if you want to play in his offense, you need to be a good blocker. I get it, right? Yeah. George Kittle over there in San Francisco, he could do it all. He could block and he can receive. Gasecki's yeah. working on that, obviously. So he's more of a receiver. That's just what he is. That's why Durham Spike yeah. gets so many, so much more uh, playing time. But I, I, I really feel like Gasecki needs to get more involved. And like you said, especially in the red zone. Yeah. But back to what I was saying, the outside of the not converting in the red zone, the other negative is that that injury to Torn Armstead. That is going to be huge, especially with the games coming up. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But Toronto Armstead is that guy. Now, you were watching the game. As soon as yeah. he left, you, what did you think of that hit that Tua took when he got folded backwards? When I saw that, I was like, this guy – because Tua has a history of being pretty fragile. Yes. From shoulders to concussions. Like, so whatever. I was like, oh, yes. I was like – there was two things I thought. One – He's seriously injured. And the second thing I thought when I saw that he wasn't injured, he was walking off, he's not going to play anymore. What did you think when you saw him get folded? Well, I mean, when I saw him fold up like a pretzel, I thought to myself, oh, no, we're going to have all these armchair doctors come out now. And it's the back, it's the head, it's the this, it's the that. I mean, obviously, you can tell that it was it was it's not going to be a concussion or anything like that. But I mean, that was just brutal. That was a brutal, brutal play. And then, like you said, with 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 Armstead not being you know in the game, we're talking about a tackle that makes a significant impact in the game, especially he's, for he, he's their anchor. Yeah, he and 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 I know you mentioned it earlier before we got on. You know the 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 offensive line has sort of you know uh, been interchanging or or whatever mm-hmm. it is playing musical mm-hmm. chairs, and you have now, Armstead Austin Jackson. Austin, uh, I'm sorry, to interrupt, but Austin Jackson also got injured again. Uh, it's just, it's been, it's been, like you said, makeshift. Yes. And so what I see with that is you have somewhat of a core player with Armstead and to see him go down, I mean, it's going to be rough. Hopefully they can be able to get, get him back out on the field in no time. I'm looking at the reports. I think he had like a strained peck or something and hopefully they're, you know, making sure that he gets onto the field for sure this season. I don't know if this is maybe like a couple week injury, 
Uh, but yeah, yeah it wasn't this a is tear. Be it was just a string. Yeah, this is going to be. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Look, it's going to be a significant blow. The only good thing that I see out of this is that you have a lot of offensive line, and I think Manny mentioned this in a podcast. You have a lot of offensive linemen that are getting some play. So when the time comes that people are getting major major injuries, you're going to have some. Pe- you're going to have a lot of people that are willing to fill in and do a serviceable job. Whereas when you have like a core five, and then one of those people get injured, you got a fresh newbie out there. And they're just, they're, they, you know, the defensive line is looking at them like the next meal. I'm going to eat you up and get the quarterback. Well, I mean, I I can see what you mean by that. But, I mean, as soon as he left the game, it was a wrap for that offensive line. Tua has been sacked up until yesterday three times all season. You know how many yeah. times he was sacked yesterday after Toronto Armstead got injured? Yeah. Four. Yeah. Now, before we get into that, I, I kind of want to know, what did you think when you saw Tua come back in the second half? Because I was shocked. I well, was I, not expecting him back in there. I mean, I thought that was foolish. I thought it was foolish to to bring him back in. Uh, the, the team should have just let Skylar Thompson just play. I mean, look, you're playing a hot, steaming pile of garbage. Just let him get his reps <laughs> in against this garbage team. And, and, and Tua, take a vacay, bro. Have a seat. Coach from the sideline. Do whatever, bro. Because we can't we can't risk our prized possession of a quarterback MVP I guess in a lot of the fans' eyes, and okay. and essentially the risk the future of the season. I mean, this is the most success successful that we've seen the Dolphins in over twenty years, mm-hmm. and I don't think I don't think having him play the third or fourth quarter is going to be a payoff against a hot steaming pile of garbage. Look, when the Dolphins made when they won the division in 2008, I mean, I, I know that the, the fan base was excited, but I don't think anybody thought we could win a Super Bowl. When they made the playoffs, Adam Gates, I think it was his first or second year, I think it was his first year. They made the yeah. playoffs. They made an early exit. I think it was against the Ravens. But at no point before the playoffs started did they think we're going to win the Super Bowl. This year, I feel like it's legitimate. I feel like people feel like we have a chance yeah. to make it to the Super Bowl. So you have to be careful because at this point, yes. like any little decision can affect that. An injury can ruin your season. And right yeah. now, it looks like the Dolphins are setting up for a Super Bowl run. So they have to be really careful. Now that leads me into Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, I think, is um, you know, that the, the running joke is that he has big cojones, but I think yeah. he he might be a little stupid at the same time. <laughs> and I know some people might be like, "Oh my God, how could you say that? He's a genius." One, he ran two out there unnecessarily it was completely unnecessary I, I i get that he loves playing with his his new toys right that he has this season and he gets to like it's like almost like a video game like in madden yeah. just run up the score but like you lost to run armstead you're winning 30 to 0 against the worst team in the nfl it's completely pointless to have tua out there so he gets out there and he and he's out there for two drives and in those two drives he got sacked three times what was the purpose of that you're winning 30 to 0 and maybe if Tua hadn't got hit the way he did at the end of the first half, but yeah. after that hit, I feel like that should be indication like, all right, let's not mess around. But that's fine. They put him back in. I thought that was stupid, but that's what they did. The other reason I, I thought that it, it's really weird the way he's doing things, the Texans have by far the worst rush defense in the league. 
and they decided not to really run the ball. Even yeah. when Skyler Thompson came into the game, instead of trying to run out the clock the whole second half, Skyler Thompson came out passing and dropping back. Why? They have the worst worst run, uh, the worst rush defense in the league. Just run the ball. Even if you have to punt, just run out the clock. Like I don't understand what game he's playing. It's like he's playing Madden. You know when you play against people in Madden that they yeah. just never run the ball because it's just a lot more fun to pass? I feel like that's what Mike McDaniel's doing. He just wants to play Madden, and he just wants to throw the ball all over the place. But it's just run out the clock. Yeah. Why risk injury? Look, the defense wasn't going after the Texans anymore. There's a reason why the Texans got back into the game because they weren't getting after the quarterback anymore. They were just yeah. playing it safe. It's like, yo, that's it. You want to get a couple dump offs here and there, work your way up the field, score a couple points, that's fine. This game's in the bag anyway. Like, I understand that maybe towards the very end, it got a little dicey. But for the most part, there was really never any doubt. The defense wasn't getting after them like they were in the first half. In the first half, they only had 32 yards, the Texans. Yeah, that it doesn't go from 32 yards to all of a sudden they're running up and down the field. It's just that the Dolphins took their foot off the pedal. So I, I'm not sure why McDaniel was calling the game that way, but I thought that that was really aggravating. As a, if I were a Dolphin fan, I'd be really aggravated the fact that one he took Tua and put him back in the second half, and two that he refused to run the ball almost until the very end of the game. Well, I think that uh, I think that the Dolphins kind of secretly felt bad for. Uh, for Iron Man uh, Texans fan that was in the stands. I don't know oh, if you saw yes. that guy. Like, <laughs> that what are you doing? Burning up in there. I, I don't like even know. 90 degrees down there. I don't even know what the reference is. If anybody that's watching the podcast, please drop in the comments what the reference was for this guy that's a Texans fan wearing a dumbass Iron Man co- costume <laughs> in the middle of Miami hot-ass weather. Um, to me, that was just foolish, but I guess they felt bad for him because even the Dolphin fans were like behind him, like high fiving him, like, hey, bro, when, yeah, okay. when he got a touchdown, yeah, I saw your team saw just that. fucking sucks. Um, Jeff Wilson ended up getting 13 carries for 39 yards, he got a touchdown, but at the end of the day, I think it would have been the perfect opportune time to play the rush to play the running game more so than the passing game in the second half. You already have yeah, the lead. The Texans have a, and they the have time. a horrible run defense by far. I, I understand yeah. that Raheem Mostert wasn't playing, but Jeff Wilson's been balling. Like, just run the ball. Well, and I think it's not just so about – it's not just about the fact that Jeff Wilson's been balling. It's about let's let's start to get our running back comfortable in the system and, and try to see what he can squeak out against the steaming pile of garbage. Uh I mean, look, other than that, I think that it was a bad play to bring, you know, to, to keep Tua in the game. I think that Skyler should have been seeing the field since the second half. Um, you know, as far as the passing is concerned, maybe you want to see what Skyler's made of, you know, just in case. Uh, no, Tua... no, no. I mean, Skyler's but that's not the only that thing guy. I can think of. I, I, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, other than he, that. He, Dolphin fans were in love with him in the preseason. Then they finally got him in the regular season, and they're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. And then if that didn't prove it, like yesterday, I understand that he didn't have a lot of time because the Texans were getting after him. Yes. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is the backup again next week. Yeah, it could be. And I, I would recommend it for sure because this guy, Skyler Thompson, he started well, you to You like get... Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, look, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but I'll tell you what. This guy, Skyler Thompson, he's looking like Kyle Allen, all right? They both are going to be bagging groceries at the end of the season, probably, and uh, they, and they don't match up to the to the best backup quarterback in my opinion, which is Matt Moore. Okay, 
And I oh, told you I was going to drop a Matt Moore reference in here. <laughs> I wish that Matt Moore was playing for the Dolphins, but that's neither here nor there. Just two more positives in the game, and then I'll ask you if you had any other positives. I, I told you yeah. there's not a lot of negatives because, I mean, it was just yeah. an ass-kicking. But two positives. Um, Jason Sanders didn't miss any kicks, which has been a problem for him. Three for three, good. And Duke Riley played his ass off. Duke Riley, he, he almost killed Rex Burkhead. In the second half, I, I thought he—I honestly thought he killed him. I thought he did. So, Duke Riley played great. Jaden Phillips played great. I mean, yeah. I, the defense is is stepping up. But it's another thing we, we've talked about on this show. The defense shows up at home on yeah. the road for some reason. They don't play as well. So I thought they did a really good job at home. And uh, I mean, they defended home field and they did what they were supposed to do. They're on a what four or five game win streak, and they beat. Bad opponents, but you beat who's on the schedule. So yeah. it is what it is. Right now, Tua is the MVP, in my opinion, and they're off to probably the hardest stretch of their, their season right now. So before we get into those games, anything else you want to add about that Texans game? Well, from a defensive point of view, I, look, and I talked to you guys about this before. I think I spoke to Manny directly. I've been dying to see some more playing time out of, out of Van Ginkle. And the fact that he got an interception and a couple tackles – you know, I think it sheds a nice light over him as a player. Um, so that's one one thing that I thought was really positive to take away from from the game. And the other positive thing to take away from the game is uh, you got the two top receivers still getting targeted many times. You know, Tyreek Hill got targeted nine times for six catches. You got Jalen Waddle got targeted ten times for five catches. Both actually getting eighty five yards each and receiving yards and. You know what's crazy and it's sad at the same time is that Tua actually had 299 yards, one yard short of hitting the 300. If I would have bet is that, that, is that, is that why Mike McDaniel had him out there? Do you think he had a couple of dollars on the a, 300 plus? Yes, he probably did. He probably did. Nah. He probably did. Maybe, so maybe that's why. He made a bag. And now that you brought up the two top receivers, real quick, Trent Sherfield. He is doing what Manny expected Cedric Wilson to do. I told him Cedric Wilson was trash. Trent yeah. Sturfield has ended up being a really good third <laughs> receiver, and I think that's who they're going to keep in the long run. I think it's going to be this trio for another couple of years, which is awesome for Tua because I think he has three solid receivers there. So, go ahead. No, he got targeted five times over said Wilson, which was three times. So, they're looking Same at him sucks. more. They're looking at him he more. Sucks. So, we have <clears> – <throat> Upcoming, we take we. I feel so weird saying this. The Dolphins have three road games coming up. We got the it starts with the Niners. Now, my thing with Manny has been I mean, again, no fault of their own, but the schedule has been pretty soft. Yeah, Yeah, the the schedule has been pretty soft. So, I understand that you you get them, you beat them, and then you move on. And you you are eight and three. Your record is you are what your record says you are. You're eight and three. But for all the doubters that keep throwing that in Dolphin fans' faces, here are the three games that we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. You have the Niners in San Francisco. You have the Chargers in L.A., and then you go to Buffalo. Yeah, Three really tough opponents all on the road. This is where you show that you are a Super Bowl, not even contender, that you're a Super Bowl favorite. Okay? Yeah. The 49ers have one of the best defenses by far. By far, one of the best defenses. I think that this is the week 
that Tua shows and solidifies himself as the MVP. Ooh. Now, I would have felt even more confident saying that if Teron Armstead was playing. Because he's not, I think that does pose an issue for Tua. And he's going to get do, like a pretzel. There's a possibility <laughs> because if the Texans were getting to him the way they did on those three drives, because those three drives, on those three yeah. drives, if they were getting to Tua the way they were, but I think Mike McDaniel is smart enough to counteract that. I mean, they have the they have the advantage that Mike McDaniel comes from the Niners. He knows these players. He knows yeah. these coaches. He knows these playbooks. So I think that's going to play to their advantage. So before I keep going, what do you think as far as the game coming up here against the Dolphins visiting the Niners? Well, uh, looking into the, the most recent games that the 49ers had, right, uh, they, they played week seven against the Chiefs. They lost that game. Now, since that loss against the Chiefs, uh, they've played four games, two at home, two away. And out of those four games, they've been on a four-game winning streak. And the most points that they've allowed is against the Chargers for 16 points allowed. Uh, the other was 14 against the Rams. They allowed 10 against the Cardinals. And they allowed zero last week against the Saints. So we're talking about the highest that they've allowed is 16. And now, mind you, I, I'm, not a heavy, I'm not a heavy Dolphins fan or anything like that, but... Uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. The Dolphins do have somewhat, you know, they have a high-powered offense. But, again, like you mentioned, with Armstead out, I don't know if they're going to be able to protect Tua the way that they need to protect this pretzel. So, uh, with seeing that, I think that they're going to have a pretty hard time against the 49ers. I don't see them... Uh, I mean, if you want to get into predictions or anything like that, we can get no, right be, to be, it. No, before we get into predictions, the, the Niners have lost some pretty bad games, though. They lost to the Bears, which yes. aren't very good. No, They lost to the Broncos, which, again, also are not very good. And, and the it Falcons. has a lot to do. And they lost to the Falcons. Now, thank you for bringing up the Falcons. I did want to bring this point up. Now, what do the Dolphins have going for them? Their offense, obviously. Their offense is what's going to carry them to the Super Bowl if they were to make the Super Bowl. Yeah. What is their deficiency? Their defense on the road. On the road, their defense plays very poorly, right? Yeah. So that's why I've always said if the Dolphins are going to make a Super Bowl run, they need home field advantage because I don't yes. think that their defense is good enough to win on the road because once you get that, that weather gets cold up in Buffalo or in Kansas City or wherever it is, that ball doesn't travel as nicely and, and things just get tough. Get tough. Yeah. But when talking about the Niners, they have statistically by far the best offense. I'm sorry, the best defense. But they have the best defense because they haven't played very many good offenses. Yeah. They've only played two top 10 offenses in the league. They played against the Chiefs. The Chiefs put up 44 on them. Yeah. And the other top 10 team is literally the 10th team, which is the Falcons. And the Falcons put up how much? 28 on them, and they beat them. Wow. So the only two times that they've played against good offenses – they, they've lost, and they've gotten scored on. Who have they shut out? They shut out the Saints. I don't even know who yeah. was playing quarterback. Was it Taysom Hill? Was it James Winston? I have no idea. But they, they're not very good. Before that, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray. The Cardinals are a mess right now. Who yeah. knows what happened? Who else did they play? They played against the Bears. Horrible offense. They played against the Broncos. Horrible offense. The Panthers. Horrible offense. The Rams. The Rams were the defending Super Bowl champs, but they're horrible this year. Yeah. So And they played them twice already. So I feel like those statistics – 
are a little overblown because they haven't played very many good offenses. So I think that the, this is more of a challenge for the Niners than it is for the Dolphins. I think yeah. the Niners are the ones that are like, we have something to prove because we've beat up on pretty bad offenses, and that's why we look so good statistically. But yeah. the Dolphins are just about as good of offense as you can get. So we got to shut them down. So I think the Niners have a lot more to prove this game than the Dolphins do. Um, so with that being said, go ahead and give me that prediction that you were ready to give me. Listen, so looking at this game, it's high-powered offense versus one of the better defenses in the league. I mean, you mentioned that yourself. They've been playing some kind of you know, soft offensive teams. So we're going to see exactly where their defense stands, especially against a high-powered you know, Dolphins offense. And then, of course, you're going to have the Dolphins defense that's traveling, that plays poorly or somewhat poorly on the road, on the road yep. um, against a pretty good offense in, in the 49ers. I feel like this... <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a, a close game. I feel like it's it's funny because I'd like to refer to the close games as dolphin games, but I feel like it's <laughs> going to be a little bit higher than like a six to ten sort of old school dolphins game. I feel like it's going to be like uh, I'd say like seventeen to twenty four, seventeen to twenty four, and I think I'm going to go with the 49ers winning this one. Jimmy G is six has 16 touchdowns, only four picks. He doesn't turn the ball over very much. He's a game manager. He relies on his defense. That defense wins them games. But again, their defense isn't very good. Uh, I'm sorry, their um, the Dolphins' defense isn't very good. So we have this game coming up. I think as much as I want to choose the Dolphins to win this game because I really do think they have a chance because good offensive good offensive have been able to beat on the Niners. I think that the Niners, because they have so much more to prove, because Jimmy G plays pretty well and he doesn't turn the ball over, and the Dolphins, honestly, they have to prove to me that they can win a game on the road with their defense because they've been letting up a lot of points on defense. So until they can prove that, I, I, I'm going to have to go with the Niners, even though I really want to pick the Dolphins to win. I, I, really, mm -hmm. I, I know that the Dolphins are going to go in as underdogs, <clears throat> But I have a really big feeling that the Dolphins might pull it off. But if I had to bet on it, I would say the Niners are going to win. And I'm going to go with the score of 24-20. 24-20. And, um, and I think the Niners pull it off at home. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins somehow pull it off. Because, again, the Chiefs put up 44 on them. The, the Falcons put up 28 on them. Like, I... I if if it if the Dolphins' defense was better on the road, I might go with them. But because until they show me that, I'm gonna go with the Niners. I think it's gonna be a lot closer of a game than what people imagine. You're gonna have a lot of diehard Dolphin fans that are gonna say, "Oh, we're gonna blow them out. We got too much of a high-powered so. offense." I don't think so. I think I think Dolphin fans realize that these next three games are like the games that that are gonna like dictate one where they are in the playoff seating and two how they look at their team because okay, let's say hypothetically right manny actually wanted to talk about this but he's not here but we'll talk you and i'll talk about it yeah. and we'll end with this the dolphins are currently eight and three they have these three road games coming up and everybody's pointing at them as like the dictators of what the season's going to look like let's say hypothetically hypothetically right i, I think they could get they could go one and two in the next three but let's say they go zero and three 
if they go 0-3 and, and end up 8-6 and six after these three road games, what do you think people are going to be saying about the Dolphins? Oh, I mean, the thing is, is that I, I feel like a lot of the media is, 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 I don't, I don't know if they're, I don't want to say being, you know, they're, that they're favoring the Dolphins to be Super Bowl contenders, right? I think that these next three weeks are definitely going to be able to, to be showing whether they are actually Super Bowl contenders or not. Um, when it comes to these three games, these are crucial. And if they do lose out zero and three, there's going to be a lot of questions. It's going to be a lot of questions. And we're talking about you right now in the AFC East, it's competitive. So you lose out these three games and none of them are against AFC East opponents. So we're talking about, (laughs) well, other than the bills, the, the, the third game against the bills. Well, after that, they have the, after that, they have the Packers on Christmas day, which it's a, it's a home game. And I think that they'll kill the the Packers. Honestly, the Packers look so bad. I think that they'll kill the Packers at home. Then they have the Patriots in New England, and they have the Jets at home. So they end with two AFC East opponents, and they have that Packers game at home, which I think is an easy win. So these three games are really telling because you have these, these three games, possibly a win against the Packers, and then two division opponents to end the season. Yeah, These three games are crucial. If they were to lose these three games, obviously the talk is not going to be you beat five in a row against bad teams, you play three good teams, and you lose, but I think that'll be a little unfair just because it's three consecutive road games, which is tough. Yeah. It's hard to win on the road as it is. Three in a row on the road after you lost to Ron Armstead. I think it's I think the loss to Toronto Armstead is gonna unfortunately be the reason why they go one and two. I think they might beat the Chargers. I think they'll lose to the Niners and the Bills, but we'll see yeah. how I feel after this week. Um do you have anything else for the people, Manny? Uh Manny, Chris. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you what. Like I said, the AFC East, and that's one thing that's always been great about the AFC East, is that it's always been pretty competitive. Obviously, with Tom Brady being uh, in the Patriots, it wasn't as competitive. But now that it's open field, open season, now it's ultra competitive. Now you have the Jets, who are going to be playing the Vikings. Uh, I'm sorry, who are they playing? Yeah, the Vikings. The Vikings. Yeah, they're going to be playing the Vikings. They're and the Patriots playing. play the Bills this week. That's right. And so you have a lot of games where these are crucial, crucial games that are coming up for a lot of the teams in the AFC East. And so with the Dolphins having the three toughest games of their upcoming second half of the season, it's really going to be telling about where they're going to sit in the standings because if they lose out these three games, I don't see them making it out you know, making it out for sure as a favorite in the, well, in the, in the division. I agree. I agree. I think if they were to go 0 and 3, which I don't think they will, but if they were to go 0 and 3, I think it's more of a one and two, two and one, maybe I doubt that they run the table and win all three, but I think it's more one and two is what yeah. I would guess. I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be shocked if it's two and one, I would be shocked if it's three and no, but if they would go 0 and three, I do think the AFC East crown is, is, is going to be out of reach for them because I think the bills might run away with it. Yeah. And um, I think they'll be fighting for a walk-off spot. I think they still make the playoffs, though, because I think they beat the Packers. I think they beat the, the Patriots. And just those two wins alone get them to 10 wins, which I think should be enough to get a wild-card spot. And they'll have that last game against the Jets, I guess, for playoff seating. But um, yeah. I, I, the Dolphins are still sitting pretty, I think, since they already have eight wins. 
Tua is still looking like the MVP, and um, this is a week that we've been all looking forward to. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an entertaining couple of weeks watching the Dolphins play for sure. It's going to be very tight, tight race. So, again, Chris, thank you for joining me on this Battered Fence fans. Uh, if you want to catch Chris, he is on the Battered Herons, the Inter-Miami podcast, where he talks Inter-Miami soccer. So if you're into football and football, you can go ahead and watch him on Battered Herons. And um, anything else you want to let, let people know before we sign off, Chris? I just, I just want to ask or tell Manny, Manny, I hope I didn't let you down. Fins up. <laughs> Fins up. All right. Thank you guys for listening to episode number 13 of Better Fins fans, and we will catch you next week when we have the Bearded Fanatic back and hopefully celebrating another Dolphins victory. Peace.